Hey there, I am so excited to let you know that my upcoming book, Building Your Money Machine, is available for pre-order. Now, you might say, why do I want to pre-order a book that I'm not going to get until June 11th, 2024, when it comes out? Here's why. First off, it's going to get you access to a, a whole handful of wealth resources that you can't get anywhere else. They will go away. These are special resources, trainings and tools and, and templates that allow you to implement them into your life, to get financial freedom started in your life. The whole idea behind this book is to alight the path to financial freedom so you get the chance to live a life of choice not a life of need, to be able to choose what you do, when you want to do it, with whom you want to do it with. And yet we seem to not want to talk about financial freedom or money or wealth because we demonize it. But the fact is, is that it's just a tool. And if we use the tool correctly, we have a richer lifestyle, but we have a deeper impact. People's lives are better. And I want to have that conversation and I want to have it frankly. I want to have it openly. I want to give you the step-by-step -step process to get yourself the financial freedom. And that's what this book does for you. It's about getting your money to work harder for you than you did for it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to yourmoneymachinebook.com. Check out the wealth resources that you get for free, but they're going to expire. So you need to pre-order the book today, put your information in, and then we'll make sure that we get you the resources to get you on the road and on the path to financial freedom. And until I get a chance to see you on the road or see you on that path, always, always strive to live a life that outlives you. See you soon. You know, one of the best ways and fastest ways to build wealth, to create financial freedom is to elevate your income, to get paid more for what you do. And, and I did a, a recent training, a special training on pricing value and getting paid your worth because too often we struggle with this idea of how do we price it? How do I get paid what I'm worth? How do I increase my rates? It's because we're asking the wrong questions. We're presenting the wrong uh, information. And we're not getting it right with the clients. Let's fix it. All right. And in this episode, this was a live that I did that was a special training, but I wanted to share it with you here because I think it's going to elevate your income and accelerate your path to financial freedom. So enjoy this episode of the Afternoon Entrepreneur Show, and I'll see you in the episode. Cheers. This is the Affluent Entrepreneur Show for entrepreneurs that want to operate at a high level and achieve financial liberation. I'm your host, Mel Abraham, and I'll be sharing with you what it takes to create success beyond wealth so you can have a richer, more fulfilling lifestyle. In this show, you'll learn how business and money intersect so you can scale your business, scale your money, and scale your life while creating a deeper impact and living with complete freedom. Because that's what it really means to be an affluent entrepreneur. All right, so good to be here with you all this morning. Um, it is a wonderful morning. I've got people here on all platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So make sure you say hi. If you are on Facebook in one of the groups but not on my page, please do me a favor. If you uh, drop something in the chat, make sure you drop your name. Otherwise, it just says Facebook user, and I can't. I can't give you the respect you deserve as Facebook user. I want to be able to call you out. So looking good on YouTube. All right. 
I'm not sure that is Florida manufactured home living. I love it. So good morning, y'all on Instagram. Hey, we're going to have a conversation today about something that can completely change how you get paid, the kind of money you make, and make it really start to dial some things um, in for you in an effective way. See, I had a question come in. And this is a question I get often. How do I price my stuff? How do I, how do I get paid my work? Um, you know, those kinds of questions, which they're good questions to ask. They're just not necessarily where we want to play. And, and it's, it's something that, look, I came out of the accounting industry. Okay. The epitome, the epitome of commoditizing the things we do, of making, devaluing it. This is, I think this is why they call us bean counters, because we're selling hours. It's a horrible business model. If you're a coach, if you're a consultant, um, if, if you're, you're a mentor, if, if you're doing anything for services and you're selling hours, I hope that this shifts your perspective. I hope that you get a chance to look at things differently. This is something, what I'm going to talk through today, I'm going to give you a couple of frameworks. Um, those of you on Instagram may not be able to see the graphics, but I'll describe them for you. But here's the thing. I get asked to come in. I just, in fact, did a, a keynote for a large conference, an organization with over 4,000 members of service providers, people that are used to billing for their hours and how you can get paid effectively. Okay. Um, and so one of the things we need to think about, hopefully, is to, to start to shift that perspective slightly different. Okay. And the first thing to understand, I think that when you look at things, is to get really clear on what your product is. See, too often, like for instance, I used to do, I, I still do them, valuations. So someone would come to me and they would want me to value their business because they want to do an offering, they want to do a sale, they want they need it for estate taxes because of litigation. So I, I would be the person that would come in and value the business or help them create value in the business and everything. And typically, the result of that was a report. And so there would be this document that would be done. And most professionals in that space would see the document as the product. That's a mistake. The document's the commodity. Your coaching is the commodity. Your speaking is the commodity. The product, the product is the transformation, is the solution, is it's it's the reason they should be hiring you. So when we start to look at it from that perspective, things start to shift. And hopefully you start to see this. So the idea here is this, is that we need to realize that as much as pricing might be an issue, and now we're in a, we may be in a price sensitive time because of inflation, because of economy and all that stuff. But look, we just spent, we just spent three sessions on the Affluent Entrepreneur Experience, three deep dive sessions. If you have not if you've not had a chance to go through the deep dive experience where we're digging in on the path to financial freedom, the keys 
to doing this in an effective way, then I want you to go check it out. The replays are up. The replays are, are still available. Um, for those of you that, that are uh, on Instagram, YouTube, and all that stuff, you'll see it. Go to affluencelive.com. Drew's in the house. Thank you, Drew. Affluencelive.com. Get access to it. It's totally free. I want you to go through the replays. I want you to go deep dive. I want you to start to, to change the perspective you have around money, around wealth, around the possibility in your life. When we do that, we start to look at things differently. Now, this is an additional session that I decided to do because of the questions that were coming in and because my belief is one of the biggest things, one of the, the easiest ways to increase your wealth increase is to increase your income. If I can increase my income so I can then accelerate using that income to build wealth, I find my path to financial freedom a lot faster. But one of the easiest ways to increase your income is to increase what you get paid. Yet we're so scared to do it. Yet we're so scared to raise our prices, yet we're so scared to even bill it. And you all probably should be raising your prices. Y'all should be relooking at how you're charging, why you're charging, what you're charging. We're gonna, I'm gonna break it down for you because look, I I struggled with this. I struggled with this just the same. Okay. But the but we need to understand something also. Pricing. Pricing is positioning. Let me say that again. Pricing is positioning. Think about this. I want to get a hotel. I go to Four Seasons or I go to Holiday Inn. We know what the pricing is. We know that the pricing actually positioned them in a specific way in the space. Now, granted, I go to the Four Seasons. I'm going to pay more. But I'm going to expect more, too. And we need to get okay with the fact, listen, in some of the things that I do, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay if I don't get all the clients. I know the value that I provide. I know the value I create. And that's what we're selling. That's what we're getting to in this process. I, I just, I remember early, early on in my career at a top Beverly Hills attorney who, who is, he's no longer with us. He passed away, but, but he started to bring me some really large cases. I mean, we're talking cases where I was going to get paid, you know, 50, 60, $70,000. Now, the first case he brings into me, we sit in the boardroom. We have the 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 conversation uh, about the case, about what's going on. The client's sitting there, and and all of a sudden, here comes the question. All right, Mel, what's this going to cost? So I I did the tap dance. I hemmed and hawed. I said, Oh gosh, uh, well you know, there's a lot of work here, and there's this, and there's that, and you know, and and so it's going to be blah. And I spit it out. Okay. Now the client looked at it and said, "Oh, okay, okay, no, no problem. Get me an engagement letter, and we'll get we can get started." And and the client leaves, and I'm sitting there with the attorney, and he looks at me and he says, 
Well, if you ever, if you ever hem and haw about the value you bring to my clients, I will never bring you a client again. He says, you need to understand something. You have a special set of skills. You have knowledge, you have wisdom, you have expertise that is going to solve a problem for, for my client. And the reason you hemmed and hawed is because you believe that it's up to you to deal with the pricing. But it's not. It's up to the client. So he says, the next time, I want you to set it on the table and then sit silent. Because it's, your not, it's not your job to deal with it. It's the client's job to deal with it. And this is where I started to realize something. Too often, we come from a place of convincing that we're worthwhile. Convincing is a weak posture. A weak posture when it comes to pricing, when it comes to value, when it comes to selling. We all need to find our space to come to it from a place of conviction. To know that what you're bringing to the table is hugely valuable. I know the work that I do is hugely valuable. I know that the things that I do can make a difference in people's lives. I can transform their financial future if they do the work. I know that because I've done it, not just for me, but for my clients. And to stand in the conviction of that is important. So whatever it is you're offering, do you have conviction about the solution and the value you provide? That's the first thing we need to do is to find that conviction and stand in conviction. And here's the deal. When you say it with conviction, you say, I believe in this. This is who I am. This is what I bring. This is the change I make. Then you just allow them to decide. And I'm totally cool if economics in their world decides that they don't, that, that this isn't right for them. But it's our job to make sure that they have all the information to make an informed decision. That they see the value in doing what we do. I'll give you a for instance. Because I want us to move away from some of the, some of the things that we're used to dealing with. And in fact, let me just jump to the, uh, to the iPad real quickly for those of you that can see it, because I think this is important for us to, to understand what I call the buying decision paradox. Okay. Um, it, it's, it really, and I'm drawing a circle and cutting it in half for those of you that, that can't see on Instagram, but here's, here's the thing. When we get involved in things, we often start to question things from this perspective. We look at it in the construct of rate what do we charge? And the and you think that the client is looking at it in the construct of cost. What's it going to cost? But the fact of the matter is, that's actually not what's going on. See, on the left half of the circle, on, on the left half of the circle, on the, on this 
this side of the circle, it's not really about rate. Rather, it's about value. And we'll talk about what that means, okay? Value. And on the, on the, right, side of the right side of the circle, it's not about cost. It's, it's really about something that we actually don't talk about much, and that is affordability. Affordability. See, here's the thing. When we understand that our conversation is not about rate or cost, but rather our conversation is about value and affordability, this is a different dynamic. It shifts the conversation because here's what we know. The left side of this circle, the value side of the circle, you're responsible for. But the right side of the circle, the affordability side of their circle, you don't have any responsibility for that. That's on them. That's on your clients. That's on your customers. And so what we need to consider is how we do this. Now, each of these, value and affordability, has three things I want you to consider. Three things. When it comes to understanding value, we need to look at it through the eyes of, one, the solution you provide. Okay, What is the solution you provide? Here's the thing. So I get called in by an attorney on a tax case. We're talking about a tax case where there's a $20 million tax. It is a big number. Now I get involved in the case and I can save them at least $2 million. I can save them $2 million. Now, let's just assume I did the traditional approach and I charged him for the two hours, whatever. Maybe it takes two hours, maybe it takes 10 hours. Let's just assume it takes two hours. And at my hourly rate of a couple thousand dollars, it costs them four, four grand. I don't know. Four or five grand. Okay. But let me ask you something. On the client side, from a value perspective, the solution I created for them was a $2 million solution. Do you think that they would hesitate to pay me $100,000 if I can get them $2 million? See, the solution is more important than the tasks to get it. But yet we want to create an inventory of tasks to come up with a number. So solutions, number one. The other thing that comes into play on the value side is perception. And here's what I mean by this. What is their perception of the solution of you and the possibility of where you are? So, Here's the thing. When I first started my business, no one wanted to hire me. <laughs> no one knew who I was, let alone hire me. And most of these attorneys 
would say, Mel, you've never testified before. So I, we can't hire you. But, but you know, I'm doing the math. I go, well, you know, I haven't testified because you haven't hired me. And if you don't hire me, I'm never going to testify. I might as well go flip burgers at, at a fast food restaurant. What do you mean? Hire me. I'll show you. Well, they wouldn't do it. So what did I do? Now, we're going back a ways. Okay, I'm going to age myself. We're going back into the 90s. Okay, the 1990s, not the 1890s, 1990s. And I, so what do I do? I go out and I said, the next best thing to testimony is to go speak. So I started speaking. But not only did I speak, I started writing. Not only did I write, back then, we didn't really have the internet and the technology that we have today. I started doing press releases. So every time I got on a stage, I would do a press release. Every time I got off a stage, I would do a press release. Every time I did an article, I would do a press release. And I started blanketing these folks with resources that were valuable. And all of a sudden, the perception was, holy hell, Mel is all over the place. And you know what? They stopped asking if I've ever testified. I created a perception persona, a positioning in a marketplace. And that's what led. Now, there is a third thing that you have to have. So you have the solution, you have the perception. But the fact of the matter is that neither that matters if you can't get the results. So the third aspect of this is results. That we have to back up the perception with the results. And so I'm going to ask you, as you look at at the things that you do. Do you know the solution? Do you know how the world perceives you? And can you re, refix that or fix that or adjust that? And can you back it up with results? Two things that will drive this. Two things that will drive this, okay? And that is this. Your ability to articulate it and your ability to execute. Okay. And the, the first one, your ability to articulate is where we all fall off. Or we tend to. Me, hemming, and hawing in the meeting. Instead of matter-of-factly, with conviction, putting it out there. The more you can articulate your value with specificity. I got it out. All right. With specificity, with an understanding, the better you'll be. Yeah, we don't we don't really rehearse it because we it's uncomfortable. I don't want you to rehearse it in the sense of having it having this pat thing, but I want it to be visceral and internal to you. So when you step in, they go, "Man, I want to. I want any, anyone see the the um, oh my gosh when Harry met Sally, you know that scene in the restaurant. I want the Meg Ryan moment in your world." The Meg Ryan moment where they all look and go, I don't know what he or she's got, but I want what they got. That's when you stand in conviction. That's when you know that what, you, what your solution is. You've got the perception, you've got the results, and you have the ability to articulate it in a way that they go, I don't know, but I want that. I want that. Now, let's look at the other side of the equation. Okay, the other side of the circle, affordability. There's three things on affordability that we need to think about here, too. And that is first, resourcefulness. 
So from the customer standpoint, if you are good at articulating the solution, then the client will become more resourceful. See, affordability, yeah, there could be this issue of I can't afford it. But let me ask you something. If you came to me and I sat back and I said, give me 12 months. Give me 12 months and I can turn around and I can shift your financial future. How much would that be worth to you? Let me give you a different example. Let me give you a different example. The first doctor I went to, that, do- that was the actual doctor that, that told me I had cancer, not the second doctor. I walk into his office. He had done a CT scan 12 days beforehand, okay? We walk into his office and he says, I want to do a scope just to verify something. I saw something on a CT scan. It looked like a, a big tumor and, and this and that. So he goes in with the scope and that's when he verifies. He says, yeah. Now, this was on a Thursday. And he says, and we were supposed to leave to England the very next day on Friday. He says, cancel the trip. This is an emergency. I need you in on surgery on Monday. Okay. I walked out with my wife. We looked at each other and we said, he's not touching me. We sat in the parking lot of that doctor's office. And she's been in the medical industry for, for decades. She starts calling her colleagues, who's the best surgeon? Who's the best guy or gal that can take care of this? And this guy's name came up three times. We called his office and, and we said, we want, to see the, we want to see Dr. Peter. He said, well, you're lucky. He happens to have an opening tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. He said, we'll be there. I didn't know if he was even on my insurance. I didn't know what the cost would be. I didn't know any of it. But because the importance of it hit me, I said, I will be whatever resourcefulness I need to make it happen because I want the best hands on me to get this thing fixed. And so when we are good at articulating it, we will find that our clients will be much more resourceful to be willing to take the risk to go into it and get in the game. Okay. The number two thing that we need to understand is not just resourcefulness, but also resources. Let's face it. Sometimes it's a matter of resources. Now, resources might be money, but it also may be time. Do they have the time to do it? Do they have the time to dedicate to it? Do they have that? And then the third piece on this side is risk. They're looking at it through a risk standpoint. How, the risk that they might not get the result. The risk that they might not even follow through. The risk that maybe you're not good enough. The risk is that, that maybe you've lied to them. I'm not saying anyone's a liar. Okay, But understand what's going through the customer's mind. Affordability is built on resourcefulness, resources, and risk. And the more we can do to mitigate or reduce or eliminate the risk, to raise the need for resourcefulness, the necessity, affordability starts to go out the window. That leads to two things that are the themes of this side when you start to do what you're going to do. And that is this. 
It is about instilling and building confidence in the customer. For you, for the solution, for your ability to deliver and comfort. What I want with my clients is for them to go, I'm in good hands. I want the, I want to hear the sigh of relief. Confidence. And the second thing is urgency. That first doctor got the urgency way up on me. So when we look at the buying paradox, we start to understand that it's not about rate and cost. It's about value and affordability. And it's driven by your ability to articulate and execute and their ability to build confidence and feel the urgency. Hopefully this makes sense. Hopefully this makes sense. So how do we do this? How do we start to drive everything? And I think that Bottom line is we need to look at it through the eyes of value, of value. Um, we, we, are, we are too often looking at it through the eyes of costs. Too often we're looking at it and trying to do the math behind it. Inevitably, when I get involved with someone that doesn't know me in, in a consulting capacity, they go, what's your hourly rate? Oh, I don't have an hourly rate. What? Oh, no. Once I understand the scope of the project, I'll give you a price. That's it. Now, some people, they love the hourly rate and they're not going to work with me. That's fine. They just may not be for me. I get it. But we never have the conversation around price without it being in the context of value. Remember the tax case? Context of value, $2 million savings, $100 price, $100,000 price. Okay. This is the thing that, that, that happens when we actually raise the necessity in our clients and our customers' mind and heart to be more concerned about solving their problems Then they are about pricing. They will buy. They will buy. Now, some people will say to me, oh, Mel, but wait a second. Don't you take a big risk? You give them this price, and now all of a sudden they, they want to eat up all your hours and all your time and all that stuff. And I go, that's not a pricing issue. That's a scope management issue. Too often we don't think about it in that construct. But here's the way I look at it, okay? I look at it and I have three concentric circles. There, when we get into a game, when we get into a project, when we get into something, there is this inner circle, which are the things that the client must have. They're the must-haves, okay? And, and that's that inner circle where we're looking at this and we say, okay, that's what they need to have. Then there's the second circle outside of this. And this is something I got from a dear friend of mine, Simon Bowen. But, um, but there's a second circle outside of this, which is what we call the nice-to-haves. And the nice-to-haves, these are things that are not necessary, 
but they're nice. Okay. So what's happening is inevitably, inevitably what happens is when we get scope creep, they're trying to push into the nice to haves that you didn't price in with a must have. Now there is a, there is an outer circle here too. Um, and that outer circle is, is they don't need. It, there's a bunch of stuff that they, they may think they need or they, they and, and they, they don't need it. So, um, so there, we keep those out, but here's, here's what we do. When I look at a, a job, I price it out and I say, here's what we do. Here's the results. Here's the solution. Here's what it takes. Here's what we're going to do. Now, if they turn around and they want to add in some of the nice to haves, that's great. Or they turn around and say, listen, I can't do it for 50 grand. Great. Here's the must, the, the things that we have to do. Here's the things we don't have to do. Tell me which one of the things we don't have to do that you would like us to do that you want to take off the table. We can reduce it. So everything's done in the construct and the context of value. Never, because when someone comes to you and says, how much does it cost? What's your hourly rate? There's no context to it. Your hourly rate could be a dime and it could be too much. It could be $10,000 and it could be too much. Or $10,000 and it could be too little. Because there is no context to it. We have to look at it through the context, through the eyes of value. And we tend not to do that. We tend to do math and say hours times dollars equals that. But we can't. Not if we expect to, to get paid our worth. Get paid our worth. And, and one of the challenges is that we tend to look at things through three primarily ways we do our pricing. Then I'm going to give you a fourth. The first is what we do is we go time and materials. We just do math. It's going to take me X hours. It's going to have these kinds of hard costs. And we do the math. And in there, you embed some sort of margin. Okay. But that's not scalable. That only goes so far. You can only raise your hourly rate so far. Then the second level of Pricing is when we start to look at the client and go, what can they afford? I wonder what they can afford. And all of a sudden, you start adjusting your pricing because you perceive something from the client and say, I don't think they'll pay the $10,000, so maybe I'll, I'll charge them eight. The client shouldn't be dictating your pricing. The third level of pricing is when we look at it from the competitor's point of view. We start looking around and go, what are they doing next door? What are they charging? I don't care what they're charging. What's the solution you provide? What's the solution you provide? And why are you distinct? Why are you different? What is it that you provide? So those are the three. There's a fourth that I want you to focus on. And that is positioning pricing. Positioning pricing. That means how are you perceived and positioned in the industry you're in? How are you perceived and positioned in the industry you're in? When you do that, it's a whole different game. It's a whole different game. Here's what ends up happening. 
And I'm going to finish off with just another framework in a second here. But I want you to understand the dynamics of what we're doing. Okay? If we look at just the evolution of value selling, okay, at the very base of it is this concept of marketing. And we all sit back and go, oh, marketing. And the reality is, is that marketing is really just about raising their awareness that you even exist, okay? That you even exist. But we all need to do it in some sense. But marketing, we believe at the next level will lead to sales. This is when we take the people that know, have have seen us because of the marketing and they go, all right, convert them to a customer. This is where a lot of people stop. And what ends up happening here is that what you're really on is you're on a, you're on the hunt. So you're constantly hunting. Okay, we can do that, but it's a whole lot of work. When you graduate to this phase two, when you graduate to phase two, what's going to happen is that you're going to see that in phase two, when we move beyond sales, we are starting to refocus on how do we build relationships, especially in our environment right now, where we are spending the time to build relationships and we do relationship selling. Now we have a connection with them. Those relationships then lead to the next level up, which is referrals. And and what happens is we sit back and a lot of people in the CPA space or in the consulting space or everything, they say, I get my clients to referrals. Let me tell you how referrals work so you understand this because it's important. A referral typically is, hey, I have three people that I work with. Here's their names. Here's their numbers. Here's their emails. Here's their websites. Check them out. Figure out which one. Any of them are good. You become one on a short list of possibilities, which is great. I want to be on as many short lists as possible. But it's not until you go to the next level, because still at this stage, still at this stage, at the referrals and relationships, you may not be on the hunt. See, the hunt you're not even sure who you're going after. You're just trying to find anyone, okay? Do they breathe? Do they steam a mirror? Good. Do they have a wallet? Good. I don't want that. But now you actually more laser focused and and instead of being on the hunt, you're in pursuit, okay? Now, all of these, all of these are what we call push. I'm literally pushing people in the door. What I want to do is I want to move to this next level. And this is where I want you to play. And then, and then we'll close this thing out. And hopefully you're finding this of value. Is that at this level, the next level up would be to get what we call recommendations. Now, recommendations, here's the difference between recommendations and referrals. A recommendation, remember the referrals, you become one on a short list. But with recommendations, you become the shortlist. That's when they turn around and they say, listen, for money stuff, the only person I go to 
is Mel. For this, the only person I go to is so-and-so. It's Denise. It's Sabel. I hope I said it right. Allison. I'm, I'm looking at names. So the point being is that when you get to become the recommendation, there are no other competitors. You're the only one on the list, which is great. This is what positioning starts to do. But what trumps all of these marketing, sales, relationships, referrals, recommendations is what we call positioning. Positioning is the thing that will actually put you in the marketplace differently. What happens with positioning is you're not on the hunt. You're not in pursuit, but you are pursued. People are looking for you. Here's what positioning is. When your topic comes up, when your topic comes up, your name rises to the top. The question you want to answer with positioning is, am I known for the things I know? We all know stuff. We all have stuff. But does the world know us for what we know? When you are known for what you know, it transcends marketing, sales, relationships, referrals, recommendations, because people will knock on your door. My valuation practice. It is being chased, absolutely. So my valuation practice, I, I do not have a website. I actually have a web page, but you can't get to it without me giving you the link. Okay. I do not have business cards. I do not meet with people on a regular basis. I don't do networking or marketing or, or any of that stuff. I haven't done it for well over a decade. But. Because I had the positioning and took the time to build the positioning based on value, based on results and the way I can articulate it, they keep coming. I will do multiple six, sometimes seven figures a year without lifting a finger to market, to sales, to network. And it's been that way for over a decade. The issue, the issue is when we are doing things transactional, transactional is short-term. Relational, value-driven is long-term. You want to increase your income? You want to increase your wealth? Let's get this right. Let me give you a, a, a real, a real um kind of conversation that I that that I have. Think about it. Think about it from this this perspective. Let's just assume for a moment. Let's just assume for a moment. You come to me and you say, hey Mel, I want to work with you. And I'm sitting down with you and I and I draw this picture. And I say, you know, listen, I get it. Here's what we do. Um, and and just so you know, to work with me, it's $10,000 to work with me. And, and I literally, this is the conversation I'll have with him. I said, so how does that make you feel? 
Now, at that point, they're probably, they might be gulping. They might be, they, they might be uh, looking at it differently. I said, because the price is 10,000 bucks. And, and because they don't necessarily have context, but then I, I, then I throw this at them and this turn, this spins their head around. I go, well, let me ask you something else. Um, which is more important to you, price or cost? Okay. And they go, price, cost, what do you, what do you mean? All right, let me explain this to you. So I said, here's what happens. When I work with clients, and, and this, is, this is the reality. When I work with clients, um, you know, what ends up happening typically if they do the work and they stay in the game, what ends up happening typically is that we will improve their bottom line and we'll start to get their, build their worth and everything. Typically, you know, 100 grand minimum, okay? 100 grand minimum. So now thinking about it from that 100 grand, How does the 10 grand make you feel? The cost of 10 grand. And they go, well, and I said, I said, yeah, because here's the thing. If you knew that you could get a 10X ROI or that there was a possibility of getting a 10X ROI, wouldn't it make sense to think about it differently? See. In the context of value, things shift, but there's something more. So they usually at this point, they're saying, you know, you're right. But we have to ask ourselves, what does that do for you? What does that do if you had an extra 100,000? If I was able to change that for you in a year's time, what could your life be different? If you look back and say, gosh, if I, if I was working with Mel a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, where would my life be today? How would that shift? But then I throw this at him. I said, but you also know that there is another cost to this. And then again, they go, I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, oh, yeah, here's the cost. So the, the other cost is the 100000 that you don't get if you don't move forward. So the real question is which cost are you most comfortable with? The cost of losing 100,000 or 10,000? Because this is called the cost of an action. And I let it sit. Now they have to wrestle with the construct of value, cost, and their decision. But the reality is, is that I'm going to deliver results. So I would never do, this isn't manipulative. This is about me giving them the tools to make a decision because the bottom line is I want everyone to be able to be financially free. I want everyone to be able to get the solutions that you have. And the way we do that is for them to understand, hey, you're making a choice. And that choice isn't price or rate. That choice is the cost of an action versus the value you're going to get. When we make it from that perspective, things shift. This is how we set ourselves up. So this is, this is the way I want you to play that game. If you're looking 
if you are looking to start to find ways to increase your income, to build your wealth, to, to do this, look, let's increase your income. Let's get you paid. Let's do some things to, to ratchet up. That's why in the, in, when we talked about the affluence blueprint, if you have not been through the training, I've got three deep dive trainings that we just did, the Affluent Entrepreneur Experience. If you have not been through the training, I want you to go to it. Go to affluencelive.com. Go through it. The replays are up for a period of time. Get through it. It's totally free. I want you to go through that because here's the deal. If we truly are going to move you to a place where you control your own financial future, your own financial destiny, we have to be able to control the value we provide in the world because it is the, we live in a value exchange economy. And the more we can increase the value we provide in the world, the more we can increase our income. The more we can articulate the value we provide in the world, the more we can increase our income. The more we increase our income, the faster we can ramp up our, our path to wealth and financial freedom. It's a domino parade effect. And so when this question came up, I said, you know what? Instead of answering it, I'm going to teach it. I'm going to bring something to you that I wasn't planning on doing because I think it serves. And I hope that, that you found this helpful. I hope that, that you'll go out and use it. I hope that you'll go through the training deeply and start to, to pull it together. And I hope that you'll see that the fact of the matter, no matter what is going on in the economy, no matter what is out there in the world, no matter what they're telling you, that financial freedom is a possibility in your life and with the right processes, without the right principles, with the right guidance and everything, it's a probability in your life. And that we don't settle for the things that society would have us settle for, but that we reach big, we reach high, we reach for those aspirational dreams because you deserve it. You've been put here for a purpose. You've been put here for a big reason. Let's go live it. Let's make it happen. And let's do it together because it's just more fun to do things together. So I appreciate you all. I hope that, that you found this of value. For those of you that are in the training and all that stuff, Stay with me. I'm going to be doing some Q&As. If you have questions, post them in there. And let's make sure that we keep it going. And I look forward to seeing you next week. All right. Go through the training and go do the, the quiz before Sunday so we can get you in the giveaway and give you a chance to possibly work with me one-on-one. -on -one. All right. All right, y'all. You have an incredible, incredible day, end of the week. And know that I'm sending a lot of love and gratitude your way. And I appreciate you all. The world needs you. The world needs you whole. The world needs you big. The world needs you expanding. Let's go do it together. Thank you for listening to the Affluent Entrepreneur Show with me, your host, Mel Abraham. If you want to achieve financial liberation to create an affluent lifestyle, join me in the Affluent Entrepreneur Facebook group now by going to melabraham.com forward slash group, and I'll see you there.